right, here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Bets on Campus Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Ionello, joined, as always, by Mike Calabrese. The season's winding down, Mike. We only have two weeks left before conference championships. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. The, the leaves are turning, uh, turning colors. And just for everyone looking forward to Thanksgiving next week, you know, one of the most joyful gambling weeks of the year, we want to give you guys a heads up about programming. The BBOC podcast will deliver episodes a day early next week just to get ahead of the holiday schedule. Monday will still be our recap with Stucky and Colin, so make sure you get your voicemails in. There will not be a Sources episode next week, but on Tuesday morning, we will drop the Group of Five deep dive. And then Wednesday morning, we'll have our final full slate episode of the year, our Week 13 betting preview with Stucky and Colin. So let's talk first, you know, obviously... We start every episode with a little positivity here. So who is your G5 Hero of the Week for Week 11? When Ionello came up with this idea in August, I was a little bit skeptical. You know, gamblers are more want to focus in on those bad beats. But the fact that we are celebrating the best and the brightest here in G5 land is it's always a positive note to get things started. So I'm going to go ahead with mine, Logan Bonner. I mean, this kid's been playing college football since 2016. That's right. He started at Arkansas State in 2016. He's made his way following the coaching staff to Utah State wins another quarterback battle, has to deal with musical chairs early in the season, and now he's just been playing absolutely lights out. Last week had Utah State as my upset of the week, playing against San Jose State. They fall down 7-0. No problem for Logan. He takes the Aggies on a 48-10 run to end the game. And in his last three, 12 TDs to two picks. I love this Utah State team. I love Logan Bonner. I salute you. You are the hero of the week. Yeah, Bonner's been an awesome story. Like you said, I love how, you know, he followed his coach to Utah State, but still had to prove himself. You know, he, he went there with them, but still had to had to prove his worth. And like you said, they, they were doing that kind of two quarterback battle throughout the year, which we talked about was weird. But he's he's really grabbed the hold of the job. And and Utah State's one of the more like flying under the radar programs this year. I mean, they're just I feel like all they do is win and like no one ever talks about them. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been pretty Pretty amazing to see their, their kind of quick turnaround after the, the turmoil that ended last year. Speaking of turmoil, for my G5 Hero of the Week, I'm going with Florida International head coach Butch Davis. Butch Davis was told he would not be returning next year, and he is the hero for doing what every human on the planet has wanted to do. Everyone on the planet has worked for a boss that you know hindered your ability to do your job the way you would like to. And everyone has had that dream of just shitting all over their boss on the way out the door, but we have not been able to do that. Well, Butch Davis took advantage of that opportunity. And not only did he take advantage of that opportunity to shit all over his boss, but he's extra a hero because he did it to the Action Network's Brett McMurphy. And obviously, you know, 
Butch Davis has the pedigree where he he's able to do this. Two Super Bowls as the uh, DC for the Dallas Cowboys. He's been the head coach for Miami, North Carolina, the Cleveland Browns. He's he's an older guy. Actually, fun fact, today is his 70th birthday. So happy birthday, Butch. You are my hero for doing what everyone has dreamed of doing is taking a dump on your boss on the way out the door and a bonus points for doing it to the Action Network's Brett McMurphy. So shout out Butch Davis. All right, now let's get to the best bets. Now, I'll be fully honest, did hit my best bet on the show last week. I've been a little bit cold here of late with, with my full slate of picks. But as far as my you know full week of bets, there's really been one area that I have not faltered one bit. And that's old, faithful, old reliable Maction. I love Maction. I love Maction. <laughs> I love Maxion. You love Maxion. I'm going to Maxion. This is Wednesday night, so hopefully you're listening to this early. Get it in. I'm taking Central Michigan minus one. They were going to be my money line dog because they opened as a dog. I bet them at plus 110 earlier in the week. They have now swung to favorites because smart people realize that they are way better than Ball State. I'm still taking them at minus one. They started the year a little iffy because they were going with Jacob Sermon, the Washington transfer. Since then, they have gone back to Daniel Richardson, who was their quarterback last year. I love Daniel Richardson. Like I, I think I mentioned this to you earlier in the year. He's essentially he looks like he's five foot ten, two hundred five. He's like a little bowling ball. He looks like if Raymond Felton played college football. He's just the perfect little you know ball of a, a quarterback. But he's awesome. He has a cannon of front arm. Not as mobile as you'd think, but you know he's just really good. And since he's taken over, you know they they lost his first start to Miami of Ohio, but he played great in it. Then they beat Ohio. Then they beat Toledo. Then they lost to Northern Illinois. Uh, yeah, Northern Illinois, who's you know just been the horseshoe team of the year. They 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 lost that game because they fumbled the snap on the game-winning field goal. Then they pounded Western Michigan. Then they pounded Kent State. Central Michigan is second in the MAC in yards per game and points per game this year. They have th- they're averaging 34 and a half points per game in conference play. Richardson's absolutely cooking. He's got 19 touchdowns and two interceptions this season. Last week against Kent State, he went uh, 17 for 21, 268 yards, four touchdowns. We've talked about their weapons before. Pimilton, Dixon, Sullivan, their their offense is so good. They have so many weapons. They're 31st in pass success, 21st in big plays. That's going to be a problem. Ball State's defense stinks. They're 128th in pass success. They're 97th in coverage grade. Now, the thing with this game is it's going to be very windy and rainy. So you have to, you know, okay, maybe that hinders Richardson a little bit. But you want to know who else is cooking? Lou Nichols. He ran for 215 yards and four touchdowns against Kent State last week. He's averaging 130 yards per game, which leads the MAC and is third in the entire country. Ball State's defense is also not good against the run. They're 91st in rushing success, 87th in line yards. And we've seen it all year. The Ball State offense has been unable to replace Caleb Huntley. They're just 70, 70th in the country in rust success. They're 101st in pass success. Drew Plitt has just not been what he was last year. He is dead last in the conference, averaging just 6.4 yards per attempt. To put that in perspective, that's even worse than Matt McDonald, which is hard to do. So I just think the Chips are a better team. I think that's why they've swung to, to favorites. I think Ball State's going to have a hard time slowing down this offense. And, you know, wet, rainy, I just don't trust the Ball State offense to be able to move the ball as consistently on the ground as Central Michigan will behind Nichols. So fire up chips. We won't spend too much time on it because we want you guys to get that in right now because it's tonight, obviously. Uh, Breeze, what is your best bet for this week? 
For my best bet, I'm returning to the Mountain West Conference. And really what could arguably be for me, I'm going to go on the record and say this is my pick of the year here on the podcast. Boise State minus 27 and a half hosting New Mexico. It's pretty simple. New Mexico is rudderless. They are adrift. They have no pop at all offensively. Let me get into the, the finer points here. They've scored more than 17 points in a game in two months. And then when you look a little bit closer, they are all the way at the bottom of FBS in points per game, 13.6. That means UConn, UMass, Vandy, all better scoring offenses than the Lobos. So is there any chance here that if they fall behind, they can get back in it. Maybe they're just a snake bit team. Maybe they don't convert in the red zone. No, they are the worst non-service academy passing offense in the country, only 126 yards per game. So when you look at Boise, what have they done for us lately? They've won four or five. George Helani is finally toting the rock, giving them balance offensively. He's gone for back-to-back 100-yard rushing performances. And then Bachmeyer has basically been the guy that we were hoping he'd be from the start this year. He's not turning the ball over. He's at 65% of his passes in the last three, zero turnovers. I think this offense is ready to rock. I love Boise in this spot. Um, I, I think, you know, when you looked at them midseason, you might say to yourself, this is a Boise team that's lost its identity. It doesn't have any fear factor on the Smurf turf. I think they've turned that around with this, you know, this current run that they're on. And once again, New Mexico just does not have it offensively. And this is the time of year I know I like to point it out. You got to fade those teams who are quitting. The Lobos have quit. Let's go with the Broncos here laying four touchdowns. Yep. Couldn't agree more. That that is this is what you want to look for at this time of year is, is the quit teams. Is who's the teams that when they get down, they're gonna give up. I think you nailed it with New Mexico. They are absolutely quit team. I think and, and I think Boise probably has a little salt in their mouth about the way they got backdoor covered on last week. I don't know that teams care about that, but I assume they care about that because I care about that. So yep, I love it. Boise should run it up. All right, now it's time to transition to our G5 money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Calvary's I'll have you go first here. Who is your dog of the week? I'm going with ULL plus 160. That's the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on the road against Liberty. No respect for the Sun Belt. And I think this is interesting because Liberty just no-showed their, their Super Bowl, at least Hugh Freeze's Super Bowl, playing against Old Miss. The offense couldn't get out of the starting blocks. And that's what is the real concern for me for anyone on the Flames on this one. Yes, Malik Willis has got all the physical tools, but this year they've had more than their fair share of poor offensive performances. Only 14 points against that Old Miss defense, 21 against Syracuse, 21 against Troy. It shows to me that they're just not as dynamic and reliable as they were last year. And when you look at ULL, what have they done since that setback against mm-hmm. Texas in the opener? Well, they've won every game since then. They murdered App State, beat them 41-13. And under Mr. Scared Money Don't Make No Money. Scared Money Don't Make Money, you know. They played well against top teams really across the last two years. And that's what I'm looking for here because there's a motivational factor. They're already locked in for the Sun Belt Conference Championship game. But this is a spot to keep the winning streak going, to get that national notoriety. A win like this could push them, you know, higher in terms of, you know, the AP rankings, the college football rankings. Can they get that done in this spot? I think they can. And really, it's predicated on them breaking that Liberty run defense. It's actually pretty decent. But Chris Smith and Montreal Johnson are the ones to do it. Montreal Johnson in particular, six rushing touchdowns in his last five games. I think he's giving them that, you know, that second option at running back, which they had last year. 
with Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell, they're able to go back and forth and really break teams down in the fourth quarter. It's one of the reasons why they're so good in close games, always winning it in the fourth and having that confidence. So I'll go ahead with the Raging Cajuns plus 160 on the money line in this spot. That makes me a little bit nervous about Louisiana is they are 7-0 in conference play, have clinched the, uh, their division for basically a month at this point. Uh, second in the conference is Texas State at two and four. The fact that the way they've run away from that division is astonishing. You know, they've also played a lot of bad teams given that record. So I guess it makes me a little nervous because I feel like, you know, what do they have to play for necessarily? They've already had the division wrapped up. You know, they could be looking ahead to the conference championship already. But I will agree with you in the sense that, you know, something I know I, I'm already getting pre-mad about this offseason is, and we already saw it last year kind of, is, I think anyone who talks about Malik Willis as a first round pick is an absolute moron. Like they don't watch college football. Like I hate these NFL analysts and draft experts that you can tell have never watched an actual college football game. They just watch the highlight passes of these dudes ripping bombs over, you know, FCS schools like Trey Lance. I don't get it. I don't understand. Malik Willis couldn't beat out Bo Nix and now he's going to be a first round quarterback. Get out of here with that. So I don't hate it because like I, Liberty has kind of been disappointing as well. So I guess, you know, you're taking two disappointing teams a little bit. I guess at least Louisiana is winning their game. So, yeah, I don't hate it totally. We cool stinks. <laughs> um, for my underdog parlay, I'm going to get I'm going to go with a team that's starting to heat up a little bit here. I'm going to take Old Dominion. You, you know, I love I love me some Ricky Ronnie from his Penn State days. So, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but maybe not. Who cares? You know, they've won three in a row. And really the, the change started when they switched quarterbacks you know they started with dj mack earlier in the year he just really struggled with it. you know they got pumped by liberty they lost to wake forest uh beat, they lost to buffalo by one in that crazy game where you know they they blew the lead late um and then the last four games since since wolf has started four games his first start was against western kentucky i mean you're not going to just run with the zap dog right out the gate daily zappy so obviously they lost that one but then their next three games, they beat Louisiana Tech. They crushed FIU. They just beat Florida Inter- uh, Florida Atlantic 30-16 to last week in a really impressive game for Old Dominion. Hayden Wolf started at least 280 yards in three of his four starts, and he gives them a much more balanced attack. Now teams have to respect the pass because Wolf is able to do enough through the arm that complements their running game, which is actually third in the conference in rushing. Blake Watson has been a beast. He has over 100 yards in five straight games now. And Old Dominion's defense has actually been pretty good. They're fourth in the conference in total defense. They're 40th in the country in defensive success rate, 36th against the run. They're fourth against rushing explosiveness. They're seventh in the entire country in success rate on passing down. So they have that success. They have that success early stopping the run. And then when they get into passing downs, that's when they thrive. Like I said, seventh in the country in success rate. They are 20th at creating havoc. They dial up the pressure really well. Middle Tennessee, on the other hand, is 115th at preventing havoc. The Middle Tennessee offense has really gone into a shell. They're 110th in success rate, 117th in EPA per play. Bailey Hockman was the starting quarterback at the end of the at the beginning of the year. He's hurt. Then Chase Cunningham comes in. He's hurt. Now they're starting true freshman Nick Vadiato and He's got just four touchdowns and five interceptions this year. So I just think, you know, Old Dominion is playing really well right now. So I'm going to keep riding with him. So give me Ricky Ronnie in the Monarchs at plus 155 over Middle Tennessee. All right, let's get into our group of five 
high five. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. Calabrese, I I feel like you have a heroic play coming. So why don't you kick us off with your first play of the high five round robin? I'm going to go to my G5 hero of the week. Keep riding him. Utah State minus 215 on the money line against Wyoming. Another game. It's in Logan. They're just not being respected. I'm not quite sure what the public is is looking at here because honestly, why would you have any faith in Wyoming? You know, it's this spot for Wyoming. They've lost five of six. They've scored over 21 points just once in that six game stretch. And you have to, you know, be backing a Utah State team that has an answer at quarterback. They have a tremendous duo between Logan Bonner and Devin Tompkins. And to get into the, the finer details on that, when you look at their stats since October 1st, 154 and a half passing yards per game, they're going up against a top 10, statistically top 10 Wyoming pass defense. But here's the thing. I like this red hot Utah State offense to crack the code a little bit. I'm not looking for you know a 55 point game out of them or 400 yards out of Bonner, but I do think he can get north of 250 yards and that puts the pressure back on the pokes. And what do they answer with? They have two options of quarterback. Neither have been very good this year. And because of that, I think once Wyoming falls behind in this game, is a very small likelihood they're going to be able to get off the mat and come back and win. And the final piece of it, you always have to look when you're considering Mountain West plays at the weather. It's going to rain earlier in the day on Saturday, but should be clear skies Saturday night in Logan. And that, uh, that's going to be good for the passing attack from the Aggies. So I'll go ahead with Logan Bonner. Going to keep riding this Utah State team, one of the great stories in G5 football, really, in all of college football. And uh, we'll tack that onto our round robin. Yep, I love that play. I actually had Utah State written down as well. Obviously, it was going to take them against the spread. So I, I really like them. I think these are two teams that are just have been priced wrong all season. Utah State is 8-2 and two straight up. They're 7-3 and three against the spread. They continue to be undervalued. And on the flip side, Wyoming is 3-7 and seven against the spread. They continue to be overvalued. They were expected to be good coming into the year. Their defense hasn't been good. Their offense is atrocious. I think Utah State has no problem taking care of business here. They've just been the better team all year. So totally like this play a lot. For my first play, I'm going with an absolute gross pick. This one is just, ugh, I don't even know why I'm taking it. But sometimes, you know, you got to you gotta steer into the pain a little bit. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Temple Tulsa, under 51. These offenses are atrocious. Tulsa ranks 100th. They're averaging 23.5 points per game. Temple's 122nd. We talked about them last week. They've quit. They've totally given up. They're averaging 17.2 points per game this year. Over the last three games, Tulsa is averaging 19 points per game. Temple, they've scored 18 in the last three games. That's total. They're averaging six points per game. They can't They can't even move the ball whatsoever. These teams are 118th and 120th in EPA per play, 120th, 126th in finishing drives. Don't watch this game, please. I'm begging you. Bet it. Forget about it. Hope you get no push notifications from the award-winning Action Network app. Hope, you know, Tulsa wins this game 13 to six and you just totally forgot you bet it and say, oh, look at look at that. They covered. Move on. This game's going to stink, but take it under 51. For my next round robin play, I love the team total over in Western Kentucky. Pull out those zap guns. It's time to continue to ride this prolific, historic offense. I said it back in August. It was an organ transplant from Houston Baptist. They bring all the best elements, the coaching staff, the quarterback, the wide receiver, up to Western Kentucky, and the experiment has been so successful. I don't think this will be the last time that we see an FBS team go and mine the riches of FCS football. 
when you look at what Western Kentucky has been able to accomplish in Conference USA play, it's really been tremendous. They hit the team total last week against Rice, even though it was a team that was playing a slower brand of football. They wanted to play keep away. That's an important distinction here because this week against FAU, it's another team that wants to play slow. They want to limit plays. But here's the thing. When the Owls got behind, they did have to put the ball in the air. So you saw a lot of points in the second half. I think we're going to see a similar game script. And when it comes to FAU trying to slow down that Western Kentucky Hilltopper offense, they don't really have a lot of options at their disposal. Statistically, they're decent against the pass, but they can't get to the quarterback. They're 116th in sack rate in the entire country. And as we mentioned on the podcast before, Western Kentucky does a tremendous job giving plenty of time to Zappi, plenty of time for him to operate, taking so few sacks this season. I think we're going to see something similar play out here. And also, even though FAU has done a good job of mucking games up throughout the year, last week they gave up 30 to ODU. I would argue that the Western Kentucky offense is about 24 points, four touchdowns maybe better than that ODU offense. So I'm going to go ahead over 37 and a half. I think this is already well discounted because of the pace of play concerns. So the fact that you're getting a team that's averaging close to 45 per game in Conference USA play at 37 and a half, go ahead and hit that over. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the pride of the Commonwealth. Well, since we were talking about Zappy Hour here, Barkeep, let's make it a double, baby. I'm taking the Hilltoppers minus 10. I'll lay the points. You just said it. We already know they're going to score 38 points, Mike, because you just said they were going to. Guess what? They've scored 40 points in five of the last six games. So ask yourself this. Is Nikosi Perry and FAU going to score 30? Because they've scored 30 just once in the last five games. Yeah, the Hilltoppers defense isn't great. They're, you know, they're 95th in defensive success rate. But FAU is just 71st in offense. So... I don't trust, you know, FAU to be able to run with with Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi, you know. This is the Zapp Dogs' time to shine. Western Kentucky leads the East Division by one game. If they and Marshall both win this week, they will play next week for the division title. So I think Western Kentucky has everything to play for. They're going to keep rolling. You know, we love Jared Stearns. We've talked about him a ton on this show. But speaking of Zappi Hour, Mitchell Tinsley said, hold my beer last week. He had 10 catches, 198 yards, and two touchdowns. This offense is absolutely rolling. And Mike, it's so perfect because we're going with the Zappy Hour Daily Double, and the Zappy Hour sound sounds like the Daily Double sound. So it's perfect. Double it up, zap it up. I wanted to be the one to pass along this information. We'll win. We'll get it done. Let's wrap up the G5 High Five. What is your last pick, Mike? Friday night play, one that I think um, is mispriced by about six points in this spot, and it's Houston laying eight and a half against Memphis. This Memphis offense has just not been right since Calvin Austin III has been banged up. And give the, the kid a lot of credit. He's a former G5 hero of the week. He's playing through injury, but he's clearly not the same guy. And because of that, they're not able to, to spark those 75-yard touchdowns. And honestly, their offense is kind of sputtered because of that. They've scored over 30 points just once since October 2nd. And Houston is averaging 42 points per game since the start of October. So you have one offense trending in the right direction, the other one in the opposite direction. You know, Toon and McCaskill, I think, have really come into their own in the Houston backfield. And because of that, I have reliable playmakers on the Coug side in this one. And under Dana Holgerson, home field advantage has been great this season. 
for Houston, I'm going to see a really raucous crowd at UH for a couple of reasons. One, they're nationally ranked. They're in the college football playoff rankings. The college basketball team is a national program. Now they're headed to the big 12. There's juice being inserted into this situation. The fan base, the casual fans, I think you're going to see a sellout here against the Memphis team that beat them last year. So it's a revenge angle. Eight and a half, I think, is off. This really should be two touchdowns. So I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the Cougs on a nice number under the key number of 10 and play them on Friday night. Yeah, like you said, Cougars are absolutely rolling right now. Obviously, we were on them last week as they, you know, crushed Temple as we well, covered against Temple as we knew they were going to. The only reason I didn't play this is I feel like I've been wrong about Memphis every time I bet on or against them this year. I just think I feel like I've been wrong every time I bet Memphis game. So I'll probably stay away just from that aspect. But I 100% agree with you on in theory that Houston should have no problem covering. They're just a way better team. All right. So to summarize our picks this week, our best bets, we are going with Central Michigan minus two and a half. The Central Michigan Chippewas. And Boise State minus 27 and a half. The Boise State Broncos. For our money line underdog parlay, we are going with Louisiana plus 160. Scared money don't make money, you know. And Old Dominion plus 155. The Old Dominion Monarchs. Which, when you combine them, pays out plus 575. For our G5 high five, we are going with Utah State minus 215 on the money line. The Utah State Aggies. Temple Tulsa under 51. The Temple under. Houston minus eight and a half. The Houston Cougars. In the zappy hour double down of Western Kentucky team total over 37 and a half. And Western Kentucky minus 10. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And I understand, you know, if you're actually betting this as a full round robin, some books may not let you, you know, combine the, the two Western Kentucky plays. But we don't care because Zappy Hour doesn't play by the rules. He does what he wants. So we're playing it anyway. Go Hilltoppers. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive on Big Bets on Campus. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a great week. And we will see you again Tuesday for a little pre-Thanksgiving action. <laughs>